Hello and welcome. <laughs> He's already rolling his eyes at me. Oh Hello, God. everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Too Scared to Sleep. We are back after our short little week break. We are moving and grooving and ready to rock. Isn't that right, Jake? Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Into the light, I command thee. Into the light, I command thee. We need a time to rest and recuperate and uh, rehydrate ourselves. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you had a bunch of shit to do. I had a bunch yeah. of shit to do. We had a lot of writing to do. That's very true. We had to get it in before this entire week was going to rain its ass off. Yeah, last week was sucked. It sucked because it rained just enough to keep us from being able to ride our motorcycles during the week. And it's supposed to rain yeah. again all this week as yeah. well. Yeah. And listen, I love the rain. I think it's spectacular. I love it. it makes my little heart happy. But... Not when it means I can't ride like I want to. Yeah. Just okay. makes me sad. A buddy of mine who still sells trucks is selling a Ram 1500 for mm. $109,000. Jesus Christ. Why? Does it come with a fucking chauffeur? No, it is called a Ram TRX, which means that it has a Hellcat engine in it. Oh, Jesus. I don't know why you need a Hellcat engine in, in a, a Ram 1500 in a truck, in a pickup truck, but they did it. They really did it. It's not a bad looking little truck, though. I'll give it that, but I definitely don't understand the need for the Hellcat engine. It's got all the bells and whistles of a regular off-road Ram 1500, which means it's got, like, you know, air suspension. It's 4x4. It's got... The off-road package, the nice, nice big chunky wheels and all that other stuff, but it's got a, an engine in it that creates more than 750, 750 horsepower, Goodness which is what they gracious. put into Challengers and Chargers, mm -hmm. and I don't know why you would want to put one in a truck, but they did. They didn't stop to think whether they, whether they should. They just did it because they could, <laughs> you know? Spent so much time thinking about if you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. Exactly. And that's what they did. And somebody traded it in with only 300 miles on it. Damn, son. That's yeah. nothing. Hot diggity. It's insane, this kind of truck. Uh, but yeah, that's just, it's just insane. Like, if you have that kind of money, why not buy a house? <laughs> Honestly. Do you know what I, I could do anything I wanted with $109,000. Oh, yeah. I'd be set. For the rest of my life. That's just right? crazy. I could just stop working. Do you know how many motorcycles we could buy for that much money? How many tattoos I could buy with that money? Oh my god. Yeah, that's true. Let me see. What else happened? Goodness. Okay, so here's the funny crazy thing. There was a drive-by shooting right across the street from my house. Yeah, you mentioned that right as we were about to record, and I was confused. I had not heard anything about this, so please give me all of the details. Okay, so um had a house guest and we woke up on Sunday morning and decided that we were going to go in to get um, breakfast, a late breakfast. I refuse to call it brunch. <laughs> and so um, we were getting dressed and we heard kind of like three pops and it sounded like a car driving away. And she says to me, was this gunshots? And I said, it doesn't sound loud enough to be gunshots, you know? Mm-hmm. Because if you've gone to the gun range, if you've ever shot a gun, you know you know what kind of noise it kind of makes. Yeah. It's like, I don't think so. And so about 15 minutes goes by, and we go to walk out the front door, and there are four police SUVs 
blocking off the entirety of the street. And they've Jesus. got those evidence cone things that look like numbers from Whataburger. Yeah. They've got those laid out. <laughs> there are about five of them on the ground. And the Jeep um, Liberty that, that lives across the street had its back window blown out. Shit. Okay. I was like, wow. And so I walk out there to the car and I'm taking a couple of candid photos as quick as I can. And then the cop comes over and he's like, did you guys hear anything? It's like, we heard kind of a pop. I didn't think it was an, I said, I thought it, I didn't think it was loud enough to be a gunshot, but obviously I was wrong. And he says, well, did you see which way they're direct, which way they were going? I said, we weren't even looking out the window. What was funny is um, right after the gunshot noises, uh, Boomer appeared and was acting very skittish. So obviously something had happened. He was probably poor baby. He was probably in the window when it happened. He could have been hurt. Oh, he had to watch the life leave a human being's eyes. Nothing like that happened. (laughs) Okay, well, that's good. I don't think uh, Boomer needs any more reason to kill. No, he doesn't need any more reasons to be afraid of human beings as much as he does. Yeah, that's more accurate. (laughs) Did you see Josh fucking Duggar is in trouble? We haven't been able to talk about this. This happened almost two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's my being roommate, up, Grace, he's, mentioned that. Yeah, he's being brought up on pornography char- child pornography child charges. Child pornography charges, yep. What the fuck, man? From the very beginning when that show, what was it, 18 Kids and Counting Something at the time, like and then that. it became 19 Kids and Counting, those kids all struck me as so weird. It seemed like a cult to me, and yet at the same time so reminiscent of the kids that I went to school with in my private Christian school. Oh, that's not great to hear. Oh, with the crazy-ass, ugly, long hair and the long skirts and just that whole aesthetic and just how, like, they just look brainwashed from the way that they talk and the way that they interact with their families. So I was not surprised when, in the middle of that entire show, it came out that Josh Duggar had molested some of his sisters and some of their friends when he was a young boy. Not only that, but... His parents knew about it and never reported it to Child Protective Services or anybody like that. They gave him a stern talking to from one of the elders of their church who used to be a former sheriff. Well, guess what? That elder of their church who used to be a sheriff was also convicted of molesting kids. Oh, wow. Love that. So it's like, oh, my son is a sexual predator. Um, Let's get another sexual predator to talk to him about it. Boy, howdy. And then fast forward to about three weeks ago or two weeks ago when we find out that he's being brought up on child pornography charges. So it's just great. It's just wonderful. If you didn't have any more... If you didn't need to... As if we didn't need another reason to be suspicious of the illusion that people who are that indoctrinated into their own religion are weird and they're hiding something. Yeah, 100%. It's never anything mild either it's never like oh they shoplifted when they were younger or, oh they did some drugs it's always got to be child pornography or molestation or murder mm-hmm. or fucking wild shit actually my we're not getting into them just yet but my topic today is very religion heavy <gasps> so is mine <sighs> wow oh, here's the theme again <laughs> can you guys tell uh what we have beef with Look, if you want to believe, well, you can believe whatever you want to believe. If you want to believe in the flying spaghetti monster, we don't mind. If you want to believe in UFOs, that's fine. If you want to believe in Sky Daddy with a long beard, with blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, you can believe that if you want to. Uh, it's whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you, half the time in these in these religions, you got people there who are just 
in it for the wrong reasons. Oh yeah, you know, 100%. and they're usually they're usually the ones who are preaching the loudest about you know family values and mm-hmm. and you know they're they're anti. You know, these are the kind of people who are like, well, trans people shouldn't be able to use bathrooms because that's that you know they're sexual predators and they shouldn't be around our children. Really, yeah, sexual predators because the sexual predators are the ones that are in your church leading Bible study. Yeah. Okay. So get the fuck up off of your soapbox, please. Give me a fucking break, man. Jesus Christ, man. Anyway. The fucking hypocrisy. Oh the my hypocrisy. God. I'll tell you what we should do. We should write up a, a, a um, slightly passive-aggressive and inflammatory quote and then post that quote with a photo of Killian Murphy from in black and white from Peaky Blinders <laughs> and post that to our Instagram. That really gets to me. When oh, people God. do that, I'm like, oh, it makes me it makes me cringe and roll my eyes when people do that. It's always a photo of Killian Murphy from Peaky Blinders in black and white or it's a photo of Tom Hardy with a cigar and it's some, you know, <laughs> some I am very badass quote like uh, I don't know what it is. It's always something like sheep or I'm a wolf or some bullshit like that. And it's people just that the stuff. cheesiest, most nonsense bullshit. I know. It's oh so funny. fucking God. There's this really cool guy. He posts some funny memes and he posts like pocket dumps, which is where they show you all of the Batman utility belt bullshit that they've got in their pockets. These guys... They've got like, you know, brass knuckles and they've got a wallet and they've got a leatherman and they've got a they've got a knife and they've got a tactical flashlight and they've got a pen that has a spear in it and they've got their keys and they've got a challenge coin and they, it's like you're carrying around 17 pounds of stuff in your pockets? Really? Gonna get weighted down. If you make one wrong move, you fall into a lake. You're gone, buddy. It's so weird. Like they post these things, and I'm like, "There's no way you're carrying that stuff around. You must, you must look ridiculous." <laughs> but anyway, this guy, this guy, his name is Classic McQueen on Instagram, and oh, he's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, we follow him on Too Scared mm-hmm. uh, because I found out about him from a friend of mine at the car dealership, and I started following him on my own um, Instagram. And he posts funny memes, and he posts pocket dumps like that. And he posts, he's been all around the world. He's got a lot of tattoos. He's got a beard. He's obviously some kind of, the kind of guy that I would follow. He takes photos like, oh, this is me in Thailand. This was me at Machu Picchu or something like that. That's always Machu Picchu. It's always Machu Picchu. But then he also posts those Tom Hardy or Killian Murphy quotes. Yeah. And I remember telling a friend of mine, I was like, this makes me cringe so much. And so then classic mcqueen posted one and i screenshot it and i thought that i had sent it to my friend his last name is campbell i thought i sent it to campbell saying see here's a random quote with a random tom hardy photo but i actually accidentally sent it back to classic mcqueen oh no and then he blocked me oh no are you kidding me i swear i felt bad i was like this is the one time that i unintentionally trolled somebody and it blew up in my face oh my he blocked me forever you fool i know but we still i get to see his stuff because he doesn't he's he hasn't blocked me on our too scared (laughs) that's true you better hope he doesn't listen i hope not he probably doesn't listen if you do listen classic mcqueen I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I think you're a cool guy. I really do. I like your merch. It's cool. Just, you know, not every, you, you, you gotta have some misses with the hits. Yeah. I'm sorry that I offended you. I really am. But those quotes are but random ass quotes. Things. Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy never said any of those things. Not to mention the fact that Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy are actors. They're not <laughs> hard men. Well, 
Tom Hardy gives their actors. Gives a vibe I don't care. They're actors. Hard man. They're actors. I mean, yeah. No, you're definitely right, but I'm just saying. You might as well have a photo of Big Bird in black and white with that quote. Okay, but we as could a matter of fact, that? we should start doing that. <laughs> that would be Big Bird, Fozzie Bear, Cookie Monster. Oh my God, Kermit. That's the Frog. what we should do. I love That's it. That's how we get back at them. I'm gonna make one of those. <laughs> I am. I'm gonna find a really cool like. I'm gonna find a quote from the Art of War. Oh, there you go. Sun Tzu's Art of War, and I'm gonna post it with like a black and white photo of Big Bird. <laughs> Fucking big bird. <laughs> be so cool. Jesus. What else is going on, Dylan? Anything? Oh, um, I do want to mention, I think it was two, maybe three episodes ago, uh, when we were talking about my motorcycle going to pick that up, uh, we made a mistake when we were speaking. Um, I went ahead and removed it from the episode, so if you go back to listen to it, that won't be there. But we misquoted something and said my mom said that if the bike doesn't get me laid, I'll have to go gay. She did not say that. That's not something that she would say. It was just, we misspoke. I didn't catch it in editing, but she caught on to it. You know, she wasn't angry about it. She was just upset because, you know, that's that's not something that you want put on your name. So she did not say that. Just want to clear that up real quick. I'm sorry, Mom. I didn't mean to say that. I entirely blame Jake. Really? Hey, man. Do you ever have to see my mother again? Probably. Well, maybe. But you don't have to go talk to her and eat dinner with her. So, yeah, I'm blaming you. (laughs) Because I'm not about to get yelled at this. Whatever. She can stay mad at me for as long as as needs to be. But she loves you. She's not going to stay mad. How could she be mad at your face? Okay, I get it. I can be. (laughs) There it is. I just became infuriated by the look on your face. Yeah, I can understand how that works. I See, I told you. I know how to do it. That's right. Anything else? I watched Reign of Fire. You remember that movie? No. You ever seen that movie? I don't think so. It's about dragons. Oh. Dragons in 90s uh, Scotland. It's pretty cool. Hmm. Okay. It's got some good dragon design, I think. That's cool. It's got Matthew McConaughey. Being oh, Matthew shit. McConaughey. Oh, shit. You got me now. You should have started with that, my friend. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey is one of those actors. There's a list of them who are basically <laughs> just themselves in every single movie. Essentially. They, don't, they do they just show up and they are themselves in them. We talked about this recently, didn't we? I mean, I will say Matthew McConaughey has done some really really good acting and oh, yeah. he's been on you know various sides of the spectrum, but for the most part, what you see as Matthew McConaughey in a movie is generally just Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Same thing for like Jason Bateman, Jennifer Aniston, Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves, Will Ferrell. Yeah. You know, they're basically just being themselves. And it obviously works because you guys make money all the time. You oh, know. yeah. I'm not knocking it. Like, good for them. They yeah. managed Will to make Smith is, one of, is another yeah. one, too. Yeah. They're basically the same per- They're the same character. Only when they stretch themselves, which hardly ever happens, do you get, like, a great, great... Like Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems? Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. Matthew, Mah- Matthew McConaughey in True Detective, True Detective Season 1. Season 1, baby. Oh, my God. And Dallas Buyers Club, which, of course, he won an Oscar for. Yes. You know, though, that's when you, see, when you see that and you're like, that's a good performance by that actor. But for the most part, they're usually just playing themselves. T.J. Yeah. Miller is another one. Ryan Reynolds. I love Ryan Reynolds, but, yeah, he very much is... Like, in everything he does, even prior to Deadpool, you're like, oh, this is kind of Deadpool. Yeah, it's just it's just him. Yeah, essentially, it's just... He, he has one mode. Yeah, Kevin Costner's another one. 
Robert Duvall, Tommy Lee Jones. Absolutely. Yes. Josh Brolin, same thing. Same same person. Every single Michael Sarah, same way. <laughs> Anybody from that Judd Apatow group. Yeah. They're just definitely. playing the same person over and over again. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Baruchel and all those. Just, yeah, we could go on and on, but this isn't the right podcast for that. <laughs> we have been going on and on. I know, I'm sorry. But we I digress. Went down the rabbit hole on that a little bit. You brought me my Satanic Panic shirt. I did, yes. Oh my God, I, uh, I got me and Jake both uh, Satanic Panic shirts. They're very cool and very excited about those. I'm posting uh, to our Instagram like right now. Oh, excellent. I'm only disappointed in that I did not think of the idea first. Yeah, we should have. Should have done that one. So that's on me. But... Still, they were not expensive, and it's cool as hell. Anything else going on? Uh, well, I'm bringing kind of a weird energy right now, because I'm running on about two hours of sleep, a little bit less. So, Well, it's uh, a good thing that you got yourself is... a healthy, well-balanced meal. I show up to my house after riding my motorcycle, and Dylan is in is parked in the driveway, and he's eating a large order of fries and drinking a sweet tea, as usual. Dylan, I don't know mm-hmm. how you're alive eating shit like that. I don't either, but I'm just kind of testing the limits at this point. Ugh, gross. I would weigh 400 pounds if I if I if I ate the way that you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm just kind of hanging out, doing my thing, trying to exist. <laughs> I hope it's working out for you. Uh, all right. Anyway. I think that's all I got. I'm not really I'm not really doing anything that exciting. I'm just kind of doodling and going to work. Mm-hmm. So, what do you say we get into these topics, Jake? Yeah, let's do it. You do all yours right. first. I'm so excited. <gasps> Me first. Excellent. Excellent. So, before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a little trigger warning here for you. Hmm. We are discussing a man known as Marcus Wesson, also known as the Vampire King. I know this one. You know this one? Oh, yes, trigger warning. Yeah. This gets oof. intense. Mm-hmm. So Marcus Wesson was a self-proclaimed vampire Jesus, the leader of a bizarre incestuous cult made up of his immediate family, as well as the perpetrator of the worst mass shooting in Fresno, California. And he ended his reign of terror with nine counts of murder, and 14 counts of sexual crimes, including the sexual assault of his own children and family members. So, this one's gonna get rough. It's gonna get rough, guys. Uh, I know that, in general, we don't bring particularly delightful topics, but, you know, this one felt a little extreme. So, but you know what? We took a break, so I had to bring something strong. Mm Mm-hmm. So we are going to jump into his origin story here. Uh, Marcus Wesson was the eldest of four children born in Kansas, Missouri, to, can you guess it, abusive alcoholic Ben, uh, who eventually abandoned the family while Marcus was still a child, and and abusive religious zealot Carrie Wesson, who spent most of her time praying. Of course she did. When she wasn't beating her children, she was praying. Yes. Now... We have dealt with some religious zealots in the it's past. Weird how, it's weird how the Sky Daddy didn't do anything to intervene. It's almost like he's not there. Oh, man. It's almost, it's almost like, like he's not, not there. 
Wow, not in this multiverse. Not in this multiverse. I'm sorry. I hate to be that way, but come on, guys. I mean, when if you, you I mean, listen. You can believe in whatever you want to believe in. If it gives you comfort, that's fine. But if you listen to this story and you really think that there is an all-powerful being who just didn't do that, like who didn't stop this, what kind of person are you believing in? If he's all good, he can't be all powerful, and if he's all powerful, he can't be all good. Precisely. Now, uh, going back to Marcus Wesson and his mother Carrie Wesson, they are raised heavily religious as members of the Seventh Day Adventist Church, mm-hmm. which is a Protestant offshoot of the standard weirdo Christianity. <laughs> uh, they worship on Saturday, the seventh day. Yes. They do, yes. Uh, they live modest lives. They have strict moral rules, never indulging in drugs, tobacco, or alcohol. Uh, with a heavy emphasis on missionary work and spreading the good word no to everyone No sex before marriage, so just butt stuff. Just butt stuff. Fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus. I wish I was kidding about that, but guys, I grew up in fundamentalist Christian. <laughs> so, I know what I'm talking about. Yikes. Just anyway. It out there. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm not saying anything about myself. I'm just saying I know what I'm talking about. Okay? Sounds like he's saying something about himself. I'm not saying anything about myself. I'm just saying. All right. Well, I was doing a little bit of research on what the Seventh-day Adventists were because I only knew kind of like the base level here. Mm-hmm. Guys, it gets weird, okay? There's some weird religions out there. You got Scientology. You got fucking Mormons. Space Jesus. Space Jesus. Which and, is, there's a story behind that, but we can't tell it. But there's a, there's a Space yeah. Jesus story that we just can't tell. Um, but the Seventh-day Adventists are an interesting group of individuals uh, in that they firmly believe that christ's second coming is imminent and literal the entire world will see jesus christ return from the grave and personally bless no, his followers not from the grave from the from the sky he's going to come down or from the sky from the sky not he already rose from the grave yes come down from the sky this is why i got it this is the only reason i got a divinity degree is just to help you out <laughs> with this topic okay thank you so much you're welcome um, okay, and they also believe that when you die, you don't go to a heaven or a hell. You're merely remaining unconscious until Jesus returns, mm-hmm. uh, which they refer to as a conditional immortality, um, meaning that any who give themselves over to Jesus Christ and follow their path will be resurrected upon the second coming and have their eternal life after the resurrection, whereas sinners and non-believers just stay dead forever, I guess. Fucking weird shit, mm-hmm. Okay. I'll admit, not the weirdest, but not a healthy childhood, we'll say. No, not at all. Listen, believe what you believe. But people use these kinds of religions in order to impose a weird kind of don't ask, don't tell, don't question male the, the male authority and the patriarchy, and then they get away with all sorts of abuse. Absolutely. And it's not just these guys. It's not just Christians. It's not just Catholics. No, it's every religion has some sort Everywhere. of offshoot. All of them. All the time. Okay. But anyway. So, let's see here. Um, in the early 60s, the family moved to San Bernardino, California, where Marcus was in high school. Um, or when Marcus was in high school, shortly after the move... Uh, Marcus dropped out of high school and joined the army where he spent two years uh, from 1966 to 68 uh, as a medic before being given an honorable discharge. And upon his return to civilian life, he met a married woman named Rosemary Solario. 
and the two hit it off almost immediately. As I mentioned, uh, she was married at the time, but pretty shortly after them meeting, uh, she just went ahead and divorced her husband and began a relationship with Marcus, allowing Marcus to move into the home or into her home in San Jose with her and her eight children. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, eight children is definitely a lot, okay? Listen, I personally am not at a point where I want to think about children at all, but I think if I ever get to a point where I want to have kids, one, right? Maybe two. Can you imagine eight children? That Mm. is too many fucking kids. (laughs) But... Surprisingly, Marcus was super excited to be a part of these kids' lives. Oh, because he wants to just fuck it up. He claimed that they needed a shepherd, and he was ready to be that. Yeah. This doesn't make me feel at all confident. (laughs) No. No, it's going to get very bad. So in 1971, shortly after he got his romance started with Rosemary, uh, he had a child of his own with her, and their new life was off to a strong start. And after the birth of this child, Rosemary's oldest daughter, who was dealing with drug addiction, left the family home, leaving behind seven children of her own, Mm -hmm. making a total of 16 children in this house. 16 kids and counting. Oh my god, we brought it full circle. We did. The okay. Dark Lord provides. <laughs> All right. So as is the case with psychotic religious zealots, Marcus did not allow the kids to attend school. Instead, he homeschooled them in mostly his version of religion, which included topics such as the cops or Satan. Uh, I have in parentheses here. Uh, Wesson was heavily inspired and influenced by David Koresh of the Waco compound. Oh, God, great. In that he had his family commit to a suicide pact if the government officials or the police ever tried to split up the family. They even had drills every month to go over exactly what would happen. So the plan was that the mothers would kill their children and then kill themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was going to be the shindig, right? Um, So other topics of his teaching also included, um, I am the reincarnation of Jesus, who was also a vampire. Okay. He believed that Jesus Christ was a vampire, and he believed that he was the second coming of Jesus, so he was also a vampire, which is where we get the term the Vampire King of Fresno. Hmm. Uh, Let's see. There's also intense Bible study for hours. Uh, He made his children refer to him as Lord, God, or Master. So, real bad start all the way around. Uh, He told his children that all the women in the family, or he told his children that all the women in the family were destined to be his wives and bear his children. Now, he is speaking to his direct children Mm -hmm. and his stepchildren, right? And he took the uh, female children, he isolated them from their mother and from the male siblings to make sure that they could only be influenced by him. It's gonna get rough, my friends. So, this was the same time period where Marcus began losing interest in his wife, Rosemary, and focusing his attention and affection to other members of the family, including the eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, who he began grooming and sexually assaulting. Oh, God. Dylan, why? Why? 
and in her 15th year of life, Marcus convinced Rosemary and the daughter Elizabeth that it was God's plan for him to marry her, and Rosemary, for some fucking reason, agreed. Were they on drugs? Had to be, I guess. Doesn't make any fucking sense otherwise. It makes me want to throw up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and only a few months after their quote-unquote wedding, she gave birth to her first child of Marcus's. Now, I found out through one of the videos I was watching that she had a total of 10 of his children before she turned 26. That's disgusting. Yeah! And the sexual assault did not end there. While married to Elizabeth, he sexually assaulted five other family members, his nieces and daughters, and each of the five became pregnant after these assaults. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, this is like, he's got all this going for him. This is like some fundamentalist Mormon out there in fucking Utah shit. Oh yeah, it's real uncomfy. Uh, but now, due to Marcus Wesson's lack of desire to work or hold down a job, the family had to move constantly. So he's got all this abuse going on, and also, he can't hold down a job or just doesn't want to. That's crazy. Just gross. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, they were constantly moving from one seedy location to the next. Uh, during their time moving, they spent time living on a boat in which uh, Marcus hid all the children in the very bottom level away from the public eye. Uh, they spent time on an old bus in a military tent in the middle of the desert that had no running water or AC or electricity. Uh, and eventually they found a non-residential uh, abandoned office building where they eventually made their home, despite the city trying to evict them from this area because it is a non-residential building. Mm -hmm. But wasn't able to happen. They, that was where they kind of made their camp. So that's where the rest of the story is going to be taking place. Now... Despite their poor financial situation, Marcus frequently ate fast food. And I mean more than just you or me, right? Uh, one of the videos I was watching said that at the time of his arrest, he weighed over 300 pounds and it required three sets of handcuffs to get from one arm to the next. That's, oh, but he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. But he's Christ. the second coming of Jesus Christ, who is a vampire. Vampire Jesus. Yeah, so he is fattening himself up on fast food while starving his family. Now, he was also known to be horribly abusive. Uh, it was reported that he had punched, slapped, beat, and even stabbed his children. He did stab one of them in the chest. God almighty. Yeah, uh, and one time he beat one of his starving sons for a, every day for an entire month straight because he was hungry and he stole a spoonful of peanut butter. Oh my god. Marcus Wesson kept a firm grip of control over his family, so much so that he actually sent some of his kids out to go work, and they just brought their money back to him. Uh, they were so brainwashed and scared that they never thought to tell anyone about what was happening in their lives. They just, they had never considered that that was anything that was out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With the exception of two of his daughters, Ruby Ortiz and Sofina Solorio, uh, who had tried to escape before a couple different times, but a couple years later had finally convinced Marcus to let them leave on the condition that they leave their sons at the compound with him. But Not a, not a good idea. No, absolutely not. 
Um, but after they left and began actually interacting with normal people and talking to regular individuals, they saw how brutal and horrifying their lives actually were and knew that they couldn't leave their family behind. And on March 12th of 2004, uh, the two went to the building and met with Marcus, demanding that their sons be let free. Now, Marcus reacted about as well as you might think. He was cursing them, calling them whores and devils, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and when his daughters realized that Marcus wouldn't be persuaded to let any more of the family go, they called the cops. Right? Mm -hmm. Seems like it's going to go pretty well now. You would think. You will be disappointed. So the cops arrive, but apparently they had, quote, no way of lawfully entering the building... Which sounds like a bunch of bullshit. That's some bullshit. That's some fucking bullshit. So they remained outside, trying to plead with Marcus to come out and bring the family out. But, as you may remember, these guys are on that Suicide Squad shit, Jake. They are. Which Ruby way. and Safina knew, so they begged and pleaded with the cops to just go in and save their children before they fucking died. Right? So eventually, Marcus actually opened up the door and was talking to the cops through the door... Uh, he said that he would agree to come out and to release the family, and all he needed was time to say goodbye. So he shut the door behind him, went inside, and was not seen again for another hour and a half. Now, not a good idea. No, absolutely not. So, here's where it gets even more upsetting. Police said that they never heard the shots ringing out from within the building, but it was obvious what happened when Marcus walked out of the compound covered in the blood of his children. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dylan. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this. Police apprehended him and rushed him inside, only to be greeted with the sight of a literal pile of gore and bloody bodies, ranging from children to adults. These uh, bodies were all tied together with clothing and sheets. They were stacked high on top of each other in a bizarre mound. Um, and it took the cops a while to actually start unraveling this and untangling this by the time it was all said and done they found a total of nine dead each one shot in the eye the oldest being 25 years old and the youngest being only one year old disgusting yes along with a perimeter of 10 coffins that he had purchased throughout his time building his cult family he had obviously been prepared for this outcome he knew the amount of coffins to fucking buy <clears throat> so obviously he was promptly arrested and he was actually in prison for a whole year before his trial went on just awaiting it now here was something that i thought was really freaky uh when the trial was actually starting many of the potential jurors were excused from being part of the trial due to being too terrified to be in the same room as marcus wesson they physically could not stand to be in the room, and the court said, that's fine, we'll find someone else. That's fucking wild, man. Yeah. But when the trial finally did begin, they had a great advantage against him in that both Ruby and Safina hadn't been killed, so they were able to testify about all the horrors committed against them and the entire family. And Marcus was found guilty on all nine counts of murder and the 14 sexual crimes mm -hmm. he was given the death penalty and sent to san quentin on june 27 2005 however i know in 2019 the fucking governor signed an order sparing marcus from the death penalty for some fucking reason however 
he has no possibility of parole, so he will die in prison, just not as soon as we'd like. And this fucking freaky little bastard is still alive, just hanging out in prison, being fucking creepy. Vampire King. The Fresno, Vampire King of California. Fresno. Yeah. Now, this story was creepy as shit anyway, but if you actually look up Marcus Wesson, literally any picture that you can find of him, you will 100% understand just just look at him everything about him screams cult mass murderer yeah, he is horrible. horrifying to look at that 2019 ruling that overturned the death penalty in uh california also spared uh scott peterson oh yeah because they were in san quentin together mm-hmm. yeah fucking motherfuckers again <clears throat> where's the sky daddy <laughs> it's almost like he's not listening to people's prayers. Oh my God. What is that? Exactly. All right, enough about that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that is Marcus Wesson. Uh, that was that terrible, terrible story. I hope that you enjoyed yourself, I guess. <sighs> Disgusting. All right, we're going to oh, take yeah. a break. We're going to try not to throw up inside our mouths, <laughs> and we'll be back with my equally disturbing topic. I am so excited. Yeah, you should be. And now we have returned. Hello. That's right. That's right. That's right. Hey, the Insomniac, the Insomniac Network is heating up and it is on fire. Oh, yeah. Jake was just telling me while we were on our break uh, that it has gotten immense. It gets to be a little labor intensive. Um, TikTok is on fire. I just opened up TikTok. I have 30, 30 TikToks to watch in a minute or so i mean once we're done with the episode i'll have to watch all of them it's gotten to the point where it takes me about an hour to watch all of the tiktoks that we send to each other through the insomniac network and then send them off to everyone else <laughs> it's become very labor intensive yeah but it you is, know what we appreciate it yeah we appreciate it but it's also taken on a life of its own but it's great as well don't ever stop because i'm never gonna stop either never stop never stopping never stop can't stop stopping won't stop can't stop won't stop whatever it is <laughs> yeah. all right all right you ready for this oh god i'm ready dylan, hit me with it dylan we're gonna be talking about the heaven's gate cult oh fuck yeah we are yes we are hell yeah Mm-hmm. heaven's gate was a cult that was founded in 1974 and led by bonnie nettles and marshall applewhite who were known within the movement as t and doe respectively i don't know where they get these names whatever Nettles and Applewhite first met in 1972 and went on a journey of spiritual discovery, identifying themselves as the two witnesses of Revelation. And they attracted a following of several hundred people in the mid-1970s. In 1976, the group stopped recruiting and instituted a monastic lifestyle. Scholars have described the theology of Heaven's Gate as a mixture of Christian millennialism, New Age, and ufology, and such it has been characterized as a UFO religion. It's really crazy. It's way out there. Cool. The central cool. belief of the group was that followers could transform themselves into immortal extraterrestrial beings by rejecting their human nature and that they would ascend to heaven, often referred to within the movement as the next level or the evolutionary level above human. They actually had a bunch of different names for uh, their cult. 
Um, Heaven's Gate was only used for the final few years of the group's existence, and they had previously been known uh, to, under the name of the Human Individual Metamorphosis or Total Overcomers Anonymous. Why that one? But I don't understand. What the fuck? Okay. That one's a little weird one. Okay, so Marshall Applewhite was the son of, drumroll please, a, a Presbyterian minister. Oh, love to see it. <laughs> of course. His first foray, foray into biblical prophecy started in the early 1970s. Um, he was fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston over an alleged relationship with one of his male students. And then, let, and then, then, and then after that, met Bonnie Nettles, who was, 44 year old, who was a 44-year-old married nurse. She also had an interest in theosophy and biblical prophecy. Um, he met her in March of 1972. The circumstances of their meetings are disputed, but whatever, doesn't matter. It's a cult. They're going to make up whatever they want to say. According to his writings, the two met in a hospital where she worked while he was visiting a sick friend. It has been rumored that it was a psychiatric hospital, but Nettles was substituting for another nurse working with preemie babies in the nursery at the time. Applewhite later recalled that he felt as though he had known Nettles for a long time and concluded that they had met in a past life. Oh, mm -hmm. cool. She told him that their meeting had been told to her, had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials and persuaded him that it had been, that it was a divine assignment, like they were meant by God. Oh, that's a yikes, huh? That's one hell of a pickup line. I mean, yep. <laughs> it's not a miss, apparently. Applewhite and Nettles pondered the life of St. Francis of Assisi and read works by authors including Helena Blatsky, R.D. Lang, and Richard Bach. They kept a King James Bible with them and studied several passages from the New Testament, focusing on teachings about Christology, asceticism, and eschatology. That's Eschatology is the study of the end times. So basically, oh. the book of Revelation. Groovy. At the end. Applewhite also read science fiction, <laughs> cool. including the works by Robert A. Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke. I was really hoping to hear an L. Ron Hubbard in there. I was really hoping that, too. But by June 19th of this year, uh, this particular year, Applewhite and Nettles' beliefs had solidified into a basic outline back in 72. They concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and that they had been given higher-level minds than other people. They wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus' reincarnation as a Texan, a thinly-veiled reference to Applewhite. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. I guess it doesn't make any less sense than Jesus was a zombie and, hey, it's also me. Mm-hmm. So. Jesus was a vampire. Or, yeah, vampire. Furthermore, they concluded that they were the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation. Back in that, yeah, okay. In, in the book of Revelation, Moses and Elijah are supposed to come back to earth and be witnesses uh, in the end times. Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever. And occasionally they visited churches and other spiritual groups to speak of their identities, often referring to themselves as the two or the UFO two. They believed that they would be killed and then restored to life and, in view of the others, transported onto a spaceship. This event, which, referred, which they referred to as the demonstration, was to prove their claims. To their dismay, these ideas were poorly received by existing religious communities. Because it sounds fucking crazy. Yeah. No shit. Okay, so eventually in 1974, the two would, would gain their first follower, who was named Sharon Morgan, who abandoned her children to join Applewhite Nettles. Oh, boy. A month later, Sharon left the two and returned to her family. Really? I wonder why. 
Nettles and Applewhite were arrested and charged with credit card fraud for using Morgan's cards, despite the fact that she had consented to their use. The charges were later dropped. However, a routine check brought up that Applewhite had stolen a rental car from St. Louis nine months earlier, which he was still in possession of. Applewhite subsequently spent six months in jail, primarily in Missouri, and was released in early 1975 and rejoined Nettles. Oh, good lord. Eventually, Applewhite and Nettles resolved to contact extraterrestrials, and they sought like-minded followers. Here's the craziest thing. What was his name? Maury Povich had a, had a wackadoo news show called A Current Affair years and years and years ago, mm-hmm. and he actually um, did an expose on Heaven's Gate before they were called Heaven's Gate, and, and there, there was a video of them trying to contact UFOs. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. They published advertisements for meetings where they recruited disciples whom they called the crew. At the events, they purported to represent beings from another planet, the next level, which they called it, and they sought participants for an experiment. They stated that those who agreed to take part in the experiment would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. In April of 75, during a meeting with a metaphysical group of 80 people led by Clarence Klug in Joan Culpepper's studio, in Los Angeles, they shared their simultaneous revelation that they had been told they were two witnesses written into the Bibles and stories of the end times, like I mentioned just a minute ago. While accounts of the meaning differ, all describe it as momentous, and that, and they all agree that Applewhite and Nettles presented themselves as a charismatic as charismatic leaders with an important spiritual message. Between 23 and 27 individuals decided to join the group as a result of this one particular meeting. Later, in September of 75, Applewhite and Nettles preached at a motel in Waldport, Oregon. After selling all their worldly possessions and saying farewell to the loved ones, around 20 people vanished from the hotel and from the public eye and joined this group. That night on the CBS Evening News, Walter Cronkite reported on the disappearances in one of the first national reports of the developing religious group he's quoted as saying a score of persons have disappeared it's a mystery whether they've been taken or on a so-called trip to eternity or simply have been taken in reality Applewhite and nettles had arranged for the group to go underground from that from that point doe and t which is what they call themselves um, led the nearly 100-member crew across the country, sleeping in tents and sleeping bags and begging in the streets. Evading detection by the authorities and media enabled the group to focus on Doe and T's doctrine and helping members of the crew achieve a higher evolutionary level, above human, which they claimed they had already reached. Applewhite and Nettles used a variety of aliases over the years, notably Bo and Peep as well as Doe and T. How fucking crazy is this? What the fuck? The the group also had a variety of names, like I mentioned, prior to to the adoption of the name Heaven's Gate. Um, They were called the Human Individual Metamorphosis at one point. Um, The group reinvented and renamed itself several times and had a variety of recruiting methods. Applewhite believed he was directly related to Jesus, meaning he was an evolutionary kingdom level above human. Oh my God. How crazy. Boy, howdy. Applewhite's writings combined aspects of millennialism, Gnosticism, and science fiction. It suggests he believed that he was Jesus' Jesus's successor and the present representative of Christ on Earth. And T, 
who was Nettles, taught during the religious movement's early beginnings that Doe's bodily vehicle was inhabited by the same alien spirit which belonged to Jesus. Likewise, she was presented as God the Father. How out there do you have to be to believe this? This is truly some next level shit. And they're like, follow us. And you're like, where are we going? Oh, we're going nowhere because we're fucking homeless. Yeah, we're going to space, I guess. At some point, the crew used numerous methods of recruitment as they toured the United States in destitution, proclaiming the gospel of higher level metamorphosis, the deceit of humans by false god spirits, in development with sunlight for meditative healing, and the divinity of the UFO 2. In April of 1976, the group stopped recruiting and became even more reclusive and instituted a rigid set of behavioral guidelines, including banning sexual activity and the use of drugs. You would think that those two things right there are the heaviest methods that you can keep people with you, but they banned them. Okay, good for them, Mm -hmm. I guess. Apple, by this time, Applewhite and Nettles also solidified that they represented the sole temporal and religious authority of the group. Benjamin Zeller described the movement as having transformed from a loosely organized social group to a centralized religious movement comparable to a roving monastery. It's just so crazy. <laughs> okay. Some sociologists agreed that the popular movement of alternative religious experience and individualism found in collective spiritual experiences during that period helped contribute to the growth of new of the new religious movement. So people were already doing this other places. This was a way for people to merge their diverse religious backgrounds and coalesce around a shared generalized faith, which followers of new religious sects like Applewhite's crew found very appetizing. Um, as an alternative to traditional dogmas in Judaism, Catholicism, and evangelical Christianity. Many of Applewhite and Nettle's crew hailed from these very diverse backgrounds. Most of them are described by researchers as having been longtime truth seekers or spiritual hippies who had long since believed in attempting to find themselves through alternative spiritual means. Anyway, so combining faiths in a sort of cultural milieu went or went well into the mid-1980s, and people are already doing this. However, remarkably, m- remarkably, many of those same researchers note that not all of Applewhite's crew were hippies recruited from alternate religious backgrounds. In fact, one such early, reclu- early uh, recruit was named John Craig. He was a respected Republican and ranch owner who came close to winning a 1970 Colorado House of Representatives race. But he joined the group in 75. As recruit numbers grew in its pre-internet days, the clan of UFO followers all seemed to have a common um, need for communal belonging in an alternative path to higher existence without the constraints of institutionalized faith. They um, started a business that they named Higher Source and began using their website to proselytize and recruit followers beginning in the early 90s. Rumors began spreading at this point throughout the group in the following years that the upcoming um, Hail Bob co- Comet housed the secret to their ultimate salvation and ascent into the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Heaven's Gate received con- coverage in Jacques Vallée's book Messengers of Deception, which was uh, published in 1979. Um, he described an unusual public meeting organized by the group. He frequently expressed concerns within the book about the contactee group's authoritarian, political, and religious outlooks, and Heaven's Gate did not escape his criticism. Uh, Known to the mainstream media, Heaven's Gate was better known in UFO circles as well as through a series of academic studies by sociologist Robert Balk, which I had already mentioned. 
In January of 94, the LA Weekly ran an article on the group then known as the Total Overcomers. Richard Ford, uh, who, would let her play, who would later play a key role in the 1997 uh, group, discovered Heaven's Gate through this article and eventually joined them, renaming himself Rio D'Angelo. Now, that's a name. That is a name, I gotta say. Okay, Coast to Coast AM host Art Bell featured the theory of the companion object in the shadow of the Hale-Bopp comet on several programs as early as November 1996. So we could see the Hale-Bopp comet and there was a shadow within the tail of the comet and people said that mm, there's a companion okay. object with its own propulsion following the comet and people started to theorize that it might be an extraterrestrial um, vehicle. I'm sure that they did. A UFO. I mean, it it could have been, but that seems like a weird place for a UFO to be hanging out. Exactly. It's a lot of heat back there. And comets don't travel very fast. No. You would think a UFO, if there was going to be a UFO here, for one thing, that it would just be faster and they could probably make it invisible. Mm-hmm. So speculation has been raised as to whether his programs on the subject contributed to Heavenscape, to the Heavenscape Group's um, later demise. Um, a man may, named Dan Friesen, who had his own um, his own podcast called Knowledge First Knowledge Fight, um, blames more on Courtney Brown rather than Bell, which was another person who had this whole idea that there was a companion object. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a man named Louis Thoreau who contacted the Heavenscape group while making a program for his BBC Two documentary series. Thoreau's uh, um, program was called Weird Weekends, and in early March of 1997, he got he contacted them. And in response to his email, Thoreau was told that the Heavensgate would not take part in the documentary documentary because at the present time, a project like this would be an interference in what we must focus on. That's not spooky mm-hmm. at all. Back in October of 96, the, grant, the group began renting a large home, which they called the Monastery. It was a 9,200-square-foot mansion located near um, in uh, Rancho Santa Fe, California. They paid $7,000 a month for this place in cash. In the same month, the group purchased an alien abduction, abduction insurance policy that would cover oh. up to 50 members and would pay out $1 million per, per, per person. What the fuck? The policy covered in abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. That's crazy. Who offers a policy like that? Can I get that on my progressive? Can you uh, Can you Google that? That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I would love to fucking know. We should offer alien abduction insurance. Can we do that? Um, we have to have a license for that, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Prior to this, in June 1905, they had purchased land near Manzano, New Mexico, and began work, work creating a compound out of rubber tires and concrete. Ew. But they had left abruptly in April '96 from doing this. On March 19th and 20th of '97, Marshall Applewhite taped himself in what he called Doe's final exit. Speaking of mass suicide is the only way to evacuate this Earth. After asserting that a spacecraft was tra- was trailing the Hale-Bopp comet, and this event would represent the closure to Heaven's Gate, Applewhite, here we go, persuaded oh no. 38 followers to prepare for ritual suicide so their souls could board the supposed craft. Mm-hmm. Yep, there it is. Applewhite believed that after their deaths, an unidentified flying object would take their souls to another level of existence above human, which he described as both being both physical and spiritual. Their, pre- their preparation included each member's videotaping a farewell message. 
Ah. If it hasn't already been dark enough, this is where it gets darker. In order to kill themselves, the members took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce or pudding and washed it down with vodka. Additionally, they secured plastic bags around their heads after ingesting the mix to induce asphyxiation. All 39 members of the Heaven's Gate cult were dressed in identical black shirts and sweatpants, brand new black and white Nike Decade athletic shoes, an armband patch that read Heaven's Gate Away Team. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. Away Team is from Star Trek, if you don't already know that. Each member had on their person a $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets. Okay. What the fuck? I know. Here's a here's a crazy thing. After this, Nike discontinued the Nike Decade. Oh shit. Shoe nice. because of them. Because it was oh, the, the 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 there's footage of them. And you know, they don't show the face of these people, but they show the feet where they're laying down, so you can definitely tell that they're wearing Nike's. That's got to be mm-hmm. horrible publicity. According to former members, this was standard for members leaving the home for jobs and a humorous way to tell um, that they had left the planet permanently. The $5 bill was for covering the cost of vagrancy laws and the quarters were for calling home from payphones. So it's basically a calling back to the thing. We're on our way out. Oh, my God. Once a member was dead, a living member would arrange the body by removing the plastic bag from the person's head, followed by posing the body so that it lay neatly in its own bed with faces and torsos covered by a square purple cloth for privacy. In an interview, the two surviving members said that the identical clothing was used as a uniform for the mass suicide to represent unity, whilst the Nike decades were chosen because the group got a good deal on the shoes. Oh, my God. Applewhite was also a fan of Nikes, and therefore everyone is expected to wear and like Nikes within the group. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Heaven's Gate also used the saying within the group, just do it. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, that's fucked. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they okay. I've been saying it. They pronounced, you know, they had a they had a nickname for Applewhite, which was Doe. I, I, they actually pronounced it as Do. Do just do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for fuck's sake! Okay, so the thirty nine adherents, twenty one women and eighteen men, were between the ages of twenty six and seventy two. They are believed to have died in three groups over three successive days, with remaining participants cleaning up after each prior group's deaths. The suicide. The suicides occurred in groups of 15, 15, and 9, between approximately March 22nd and March 26th. Among the dead was Thomas Nichols, brother of the actress Nichelle Nichols. That's the original Uhura from Star Trek. Yeah, holy shit. Holy shit. Applewhite was the third to last member to die. Two people remained after him and were the only ones who would be found with bags over their heads and not having purple cloths covering their top halves course before the last of the suicides, similar sets of packages were sent to numerous heaven gates affiliated individuals and at least one media outlet the bbc department responsible for louis thoreau's weird weekends um received one of these packets oh my god among those lists among those in the list of recipients were rio d'angelo the package that d'angelo received on uh, the evening of March 25th as um, it contained two VHS videotapes, one with Dew's final exit and the other with the farewell messages of the group's followers. It also contained a letter stating that, among other things, we have exited our vehicles just as we entered them. 
Upon informing his boss of the contents of the packages, D'Angelo received a ride from him from him from Los Angeles to the Heaven's Gate home in Rio uh, uh, Rancho Santa Fe, so he could verify the letter. D'Angelo found a back door intentionally left unlocked to allow access and used a video camera to record what he found, which is the footage that you can find all over the internet. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. After leaving the house, D'Angelo's boss, who had waited outside, encouraged him to make calls to authorities, alerting him to his discovery. The San, Di- the San Diego County Sheriff's Department received an anonymous tip through the 911 system at 3.15 on March 26th, suggesting that they should check the welfare of the residents in the uh, in the mansion. Days after the suicides, the caller was revealed to be D'Angelo. says, uh, this is regarding a mass suicide. I can give you the address. The single deputy who first responded to the call entered the home through a side door. He saw 10 bodies and was nearly overcome by a pungent odor. After a cursory search by two deputies found no one alive, both retreated until a search warrant could be procured. All 39 bodies were ultimately cremated. The Heaven's Gate event was widely publicized in the media as an example of mass suicide. Of course, because it is. Well, yeah. When news broke of the suicides in the relation to the Hale-Bopp comet, the co-discoverer of, co-discoverer of the comet, Alan Hale, was drawn into the, into the story. Hale's phone never stopped ringing the entire day. And he did not respond until the next day when he spoke on the subject at a press conference, but only after researching the details of the incident. Speaking at the World, Second World Skeptics Congress in Heidelberg, Germany on July 24, 1988, Dr. Hale discussed the scientific significance and popular lore of comets and gave a personal account of his discovery. He then lambasted the combination of scientific illiteracy, willful delusions, a radio talk show's deception about an imaginary spacecraft following the <laughs> comet and a cult's bizarre yearning for ascending to another level exist- of existence that all led to Heaven- Heaven's Gate's mass suicide. Hale said that that well before Heaven's Gate, he, to- he had told a colleague, um, we are probably going to have some suicides as a result of this comet. comet. The sad part is that I was really not surprised. Comets are lovely objects, but they don't have any apocalyptic significance we must use our minds our reason but these people did not jesus christ news of the 39 deaths in rancho santa fe motivated the copycat suicide of a 58 year old man living near marysville california the man left a note dated march 27th which said i'm going on the spacecraft with hail bop to be with those who have gone before me and um he imitated some of the details of the heaven gate heaven's gate suicides as much as he could um according to what he had, what he had already read about in the media. Mm-hmm. The man was found dead. This man was found dead by a friend on March 31st. There, but there was no known connection between himself and Heaven's Gate. He just picked up on it. He just liked it and decided, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to kill myself and look like these guys because yep. I like comets. Yep. At cool. least three former members of Heaven's Gate ultimately died by suicide themselves in the months after the mass suicide event. In May 6th, of 97, Wayne Cook and Chuck Humphrey attempted suicide in a hotel in a manner similar to the to that used by the group. Cook died and Humphrey survived this attempt. Another former men, member, James Perky Jr., died by suicide by self-inflicted gunshot wound on May 11th. Humphrey, who had survived his first suicide attempt, ultimately killed himself in Arizona in February of 1998. Two former members, Mark and Sarah King of Phoenix, Arizona, operated as the Tila Foundation, T-E-L-A-H, um, 
which uh, believed, which is believed to maintain the group's website. Scholars disagree over whether the theology of Heaven's Gate is fundamentally either New Age or Christian in nature. Does it really matter? Benjamin Ziller has argued that the theology of Heaven's Gate was a prime was primarily rooted was rooted in evangelical evangelicalism, but with New Age elements and a hermeneutic interpretation of the Bible read through the lens of extraterrestrial contact. Initially, the group had been told that they were both. That they would be biologically... This is the craziest part. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. They had been told that they would be biologically and chemically transformed into extraterrestrial beings and would be transported with their bodies aboard a spare spacecraft that would come to Earth and take the crew t- to heaven, like I said. But Bonnie Nettles, who was T in the group, yeah. died of cancer in 1985. And this messed up their doctrine. <laughs> because yeah. Nettles was allegedly was alleged was allegedly supposed to be God's messenger on Earth. Yeah, can't have God's messenger on mm-hmm. Earth dying of cancer. Yes. So then their belief system was then revised to include the leaving of consciousness from the body as equivalent to the leaving on the Earth on in a spacecraft. So they just you know revised it like all of these cults do. All so the time. they just said, well, that particular thing didn't work, so we're gonna pretend that it does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. At least mm-hmm. they're consistent. So the group had declared that they were against suicide, but they defined suicide in their own context to mean to turn against the next level when it is being offered and believe their human bodies were only vehicles meant to help them on their journey. Suicide, therefore, would be not allowing their consciousness to leave their human bodies to join the next level. Remaining alive instead of participating in the group's suicide was considered suicide of their consciousness. In conversation, when referring to a person or a person's body, they ret- they routinely use the word vehicle. Uh, cool the the members healthy. of this just they're so wackadoo. The members of the group gave themselves three letter names with the suffix od, ody, that they adopted in lieu of their original names, which defines children of the next level. This so this is so crazy. They believe that to be eligible for membership in the next level, humans would have to shed every attachment to the planet. This meant all members had to give up human-like characteristics, such as their family, their friends, sexuality, individual, individuality, jobs, money, and possessions. The evolutionary level above human, which is T-E-L-A-H, was a physical corporeal place. Another world in our universe where residents live in pure bliss and nourish themselves by absorbing pure sunlight. At the next level, human beings do not engage in sexual intercourse, eating, or dying. This bitch said photosynthesis. Mm-hmm. Members of Heaven's Gate believe that evil space aliens called Luciferians falsely represented themselves as Earthlings. Um, they, they, they falsely represented themselves to Earthlings as God and conspired to keep humans from developing. Uh, technically advanced humanoids, those these aliens have spacecraft... A space-time travel, telepathy, and increased longevity. They use holograms to fake miracles. Carnal beings with gender, they stopped training to achieve the kingdom of God thousands of years ago. Heaven's Gate believed that all existing religions on Earth had been corrupted by these malevolent aliens. Good grief. This is a whole lot of wackadoo nonsense. A whole lot of wackadoo bullshit. Jesus Christ. Although these basic beliefs of the group stay generally consistent over the years, the details of their ideology were flexible enough to undergo modification over time. There are examples of the groups adding or adding to or slightly changing their beliefs, such as modifying the way one can enter the next level, changing the way they describe themselves, placing more importance on the idea of Satan. 
Satan? And adding several other New Age concepts. One of these concepts was the belief of extraterrestrial walk-ins. When the group began, Applewhite and Nettles taught their followers that they were extraterrestrial beings. However, after the notion of walk-ins became popular within the New Age subculture, the two changed their tune and began describing themselves as extraterrestrial walk-ins. The, the idea of walk-ins is very similar to the concept of being possessed by spirits. A walk-in can be defined as an entity who occupies a body that has been vacated by its original soul. Heaven's Gate came to believe an extraterrestrial walk-in is a walk-in that is supposedly from another planet. Just crazy stuff. Good lord. This concept of walk-ins aided Applewhite and Nettles in personally starting from what they consider to be clean slates. In this so-called clean slate, clean slate, they were no longer considered by members of this Heaven's Gate group to be the people that they had been prior to the start of the group, but had taken on a new life. This concept gave them a way to erase their human personal histories as the histories of souls who formerly occupied the bodies of Applewhite and Nettles. Over time, Applewhite also revised his identity in the group to encourage the belief that the walk-in that was inhabiting his body was the same that had done so to Jesus 2,000 years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. Similar to another wackadoo belief that stated that the personage of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus were separable. This meant that Jesus was sim simply the name of, a, of the body of an ordinary man that held no sacred properties, but that was taken over by an incorporeal sacred entity to deliver next level information. Just so crazy. So this sounds like a shitty version of Altered Carbon. It sounds like a shitty version of Altered Carbon. Yes. Cool. Altered Carbon copy. Nice. There we go. Another New Age belief Applewhite and Nettles adopted was the ancient astronaut hypothesis. Okay, this one's kind of cool. The astronaut? That sounds pretty fucking I'm sorry, tight. ancient I'm not astronaut. Oh. Still cool. But astronaut? Astronaut sounds cool as fuck. Okay, write it down. We need to do a, we need to do a, a graphic novel called Astronaut. God damn, that's going to be cool. Oh, that'll be so cool. I've already got, I've already got the outline in my head just like that. The astronauts. <laughs> round table excalibur the whole thing excalibur is obviously a spaceship in this world oh 100 percent. oh my god hey everybody listening trademark we're trademarking this all right stay off this goes in another this goes in the bucket of of unused ideas that we're going to get to at some point the astronauts <laughs> of the round table okay sorry the ancient astronaut ast guy did it again yeah the ancient astronaut hypothesis the term ancient astronauts is used to refer to various forms of the concept that extraterrestrials visited Earth in the distant past. Applewhite and Nettles took part of this concept and taught it as a belief that aliens planted the seeds of current humanity millions of, millions of years ago and have come to join have come to reap the harvest of their work in yeah, the form I've... of spiritually involved uh, evolved individuals who will join the ranks of flying saucer crews. Yeah, I've heard of the idea that aliens were what created humanity yeah and we prometheus. see them because they're basically just coming in to like check on us yeah uh, which is cool but you know not when heaven's gate is saying it yeah this is like the engineers in prometheus by ridley scott yeah only a select few members of humanity will be chosen to advance to this transhuman state the rest will be left to wallow in the spiritually poisoned atmosphere of a corrupt world well it is spiritually poisoned. i mean not wrong they're not wrong about that part only the individuals who chose to join heaven's gate follow these belief systems and make the sacrifices required by membership would be allowed to escape the human suffering how do you get into heaven's gate you might ask i was thinking about mm -hmm. it 
According to them, once the individual has perfected himself through the process, there were four methods to enter or graduate to the next level. Physical pickup into the Tila spacecraft and transfer to a next level body aboard that craft. In this version, what Professor Zeller calls a UFO version of the rapture. An alien spacecraft would descend to Earth and collect Applewhite nettles and their followers, and their human bodies would be transformed, transformed through biological and chemical processes to be perfected. This and other UFO-related beliefs held by the group have led some, of our, uh, some, some observers to characterize their group as a type of UFO religion. So that's the first way. Natural death, accidental death, or death from a random violence. Here, the graduating soul leaves the human container to a perfected next level body. Outside persecution that leads to death. After the deaths of the Branch Davidians in Waco. And the events involving Randy Weaver at Ruby Ridge. Apple Wright was afraid the, Afri the American government would murder the members of Heaven's Gate. So he wrote this into their theology. That that would be another way for them to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one is willful exit from the body in a dignified manner. Near the end of the cult, Applewhite had a revelation that they might have to abandon their human bodies and achieve the next level as Jesus had done. So this is why they committed mass suicide. Okay. Mm -hmm. I suppose it makes sense to them. It's pretty crazy, this uh, Heaven's Gate, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it's fucking crazy. It's a suicide cult that believes that your body is not really your body. Mm-hmm. And you can just shoot your brain up into a comet to go live with the Jesus aliens. Um, they actually made money. The group earned revenues by offering professional website development for paying clients under the business name Higher Source. And at some point were uh, described as a cyber sect because of uh, the website. As of April 20, 2021, the group's website is still available online, even 24 years after the mass suicide. But here's the craziest part about this. Are you ready for this? Oh, no. In a group open to only adults over the age of 18, members gave up their possessions and lived in a highly ascetic life devoid of many indulgences. The group was tightly knit and everything was communally shared. In public, each member of the group always carried only a $5 bill and one roll of quarters. Eight of the male members of the group, including Applewhite, voluntarily underwent castration as a means to... As an extreme means of maintaining the ascetic lifestyle. The group initially attempted castration by having one of the members, a former nurse, perform the castration, but this initial attempt was very unsuccessful and almost resulted in the patient's death and caused at least one member of the member to leave Heaven's Gate. Every following castration was done in a hospital, but they chose to castrate themselves. What the fuck? And then, what? and then eventually I'll kill themselves. It's just insane. Good Lord. So much is crazy about this. Religion is wild, okay? All religions have their crazy parts to them. But this one is one of the worst. This one's top of the top. I mean, good God. Go big or go home, I guess. They thought they went home. Well, yeah. But that, my friends, is Heaven's Gate. There was a lot more information there than I knew about Heaven's Gate, and I thought I knew a pretty good amount about Heaven's no, Gate. No, a good fucking topic. Goodness gracious. Wow, that was a good fucking topic. You're welcome. Thank you, Jake. You're welcome. All right, I'm done. Excellent. Well, 
Uh, let's see here. We've got social media stuff. You can become part of the Insomniac Network that is slowly taking over more and more of Jake's life. It is slowly taking over more and more of my life. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on TikTok. Too Scared Podcast. You know, just look with your eyes places. Find um, us. We're there. Yeah, you can find us. We're on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Redbubble, Patreon. Uh, you can tell people about our show if you think anybody would be interested in hearing about these horrible, horrible things that we talk about. Because, um, you know, we got some charisma. We're a little bit funny every now and then. Um, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. But other than that, I don't know. You guys have heard it all before. You know what to do. You Thank you for listening, do. and we appreciate you all. Yeah. All right. Well, from Dylan, my co-host, my name is Jake, and we hope we've left you too scared to sleep.